Welcome everyone to another episode of the Blade Hockey Podcast, episode 91 overall. Uh, and, and for the season, it's episode 14. Hooray. Now, I'll say this. As I am as I was refining the stories I want to go over in this episode, um, at least for those watching the video version, um, I was like, you know what? I haven't worn the regular uh Vegas Golden Knights home jersey in a while. Uh, mainly because I haven't done a game of night for the, uh, the Golden Knights in a long while. But, you know, that will surely change after the All-Star break. At least I'm going to try to. Um, but uh, the main topic of this episode is the Arizona Coyotes and their whole arena situation as we must set, talk about it again. Um, which after I was refining that, I was like, oh, maybe I should have worn the Kachina. But I've honestly worn the Kachina this season on and off camera more than I have any of my golden Knights ones. So I'll give the golden Knights, a a representation, uh, on my person, uh, regardless of the fact I'm not going to be talking about them in this episode, other than the fact of where they are in standings, which surprise, surprise or not just spoiler alert. They did not do any movement in there. So if you follow the podcast, you already know where they are. However, comma, we have some stories to go over, um, and the ending of the first ha- uh, the first part before the break um, in the episode. Very contentious topics, but we'll get to that. Just letting you know some contentious co- topics. Uh, first off, uh, not NHL news, but it t- it kind of ties with uh, with the season that we're about to endure in. So February third is when the winter Olympics start, which means that the, um, now I don't know if even though the winter Olympics start on the third, I don't know if Olympic hockey starts on the third. Uh, I'll have to look and see, uh, the scheduling if that's already came out or not, but, uh, definitely do that. And I know that I was thinking, Hey, we're going to do a, uh, well, first off, just to get ahead of it. After this episode of the Bleed Hockey Podcast, the next video uh, that comes out, although there will be an audio version of this as well, is uh, that I'm going to be doing is another Blade Hockey Podcast. So I'm not going to be doing any game tonight for the rest of from between now and the next game uh, of next episode of this show, uh, mainly because the Blues play tomorrow and... I'm not going to do the two days after thing for that. And the Golden Knights have a uh, kind of a bad schedule for me uh, time wise. So it wouldn't do well for me and my sleep schedule to cover them and Golden and the Arizona Coyotes be the Arizona Coyotes. So with that said, the only hockey that may be covered during that time frame will be Olympic hockey because I, I do intend even though there's no NHLers in the uh, attendance, if I can, um, yeah, if I can, I will try to at least do some coverage of the uh, Olympics. Uh, if if anything, I'll definitely do like maybe like a roundup of like where the and the Olympic hockey standings are um, and what teams are qualifying for a bronze, silver, gold medals, and so on and so forth. At least on the hockey podcast side of things so at least i'll make that a segment um at the very least of things but uh, i will hopefully maybe if i have the time do 
a uh, do something with that. But um, and then, and the reason why I mentioned the whole Olympic thing is because the NHL, as I, as we all know, is not going to the Olympics now. A league that will be going to the Olympics is the KHL. Now, namely, because number one, Russia don't give no fucks about anything, including trying to invade Ukraine, neither here nor there. Um, they um, also, for them, travel is very easy because they're bordering China. Um, or if they don't border China, they're near China. Uh, they don't have to cross an ocean to get there like America does um, or Canada. The Americas, um, either or. But yeah, the KHL teams uh, have voted 16-8 in favor of extending their current pause because they uh, have been on a pause since January 14th uh, due to protocols, um, the, the vid protocols um, that have been put on them. So they will continue. So kind of like how the NHL did with the extending their, um, although not nearly as long, uh, extending their Christmas break because of the same sort of uh, thing, but they'll be extending their current plot, uh, pause so then the players can play um, through the entirety of the Olympics and return to play after the Olympics conclude. So there you go. Uh, at least you'll have some former, oh, and that's where a lot of the former NHLers that you're going to see in these uh, Olympics um, come from is. Uh, the KHL. So there you go. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, another news, Vancouver Canucks have two things that came out uh, this past week. Number one, naming uh, Emily Castangue. Castangue, if I pronounced your last name correctly. I, I hope so. Uh, as the club's new assistant general manager. So a... Uh, not every day you see a woman in the NHL getting uh, a front office job, especially not assistant general manager. <laughs> so uh, congrats to her. Uh, she has, um, which like the, uh, she, I mean, obviously she doesn't have the general manager job. She has an assistant general manager job, but she, at least she has some semblance of, knowing kind of how the whole negotiation thing works, because just like how we went over last week with Montreal Canadiens as general manager hire, a former agent in her own right, um, Emily Castangue's uh, own right, uh, working as a player agent for the likes of uh, Alexi Lafreniere, uh, Antoine Roussel, Cedric Paquette, and Jacob uh, Pelleté. Uh, um, just to name a few. So uh, congrats to her. And also, speaking of general managers, the Vancouver Canucks uh, have, or at least expected, uh, at this point, I don't know if they've already came out and announced it. I would imagine they have, but uh, rumor has it that Patrick Alvin, former... Uh, Assistant General Manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Patrick Alvin, uh, supposedly going to be the new General Manager of the Vancouver Canucks. So there you go. Also consider that the ties to uh, Pittsburgh Penguins uh, don't stop there as um, since 
Jim Rutherford was the interim general manager for the Vancouver Canucks while they were trying to figure out a new hire after firing Jim Benning uh, this past season. So there you go. Uh, a signing here uh, to segue into some Ottawa Senators talk is the Ottawa Senators have re-signed defenseman Nick Holden, former Vegas Golden Knight, how about that, uh, to a one-year $1.3 million contract extension so uh good uh good to see for old holden uh holding it down uh and brady kachuk uh he was a candidate for the uh last man in vote for the all-star game did not win uh ended up going to uh steven stamkos for the atlantic division but hey guess what brady kachuk uh because drake batherson is out for a long uh on i think they put him out on LTIR for a high ankle sprain after a hit by a Buffalo Sabres defense uh, goaltender Aaron Dell. Uh, could not make the All-Star game because of that. So Brady Kachuk will be taking his place uh, in the All-Star game. And speaking of people who may miss the All-Star game, I would imagine, and honestly, he probably should, uh, for his own health's sake, um, the Avalanche forward Nathan McKinnon will be missing at least the next three games. Uh, with a facial fracture and a concussion. So he's also in concussion protocols after a nasty-looking collision between him and Taylor Hall. Regardless of what, I'll, what side of the aisle you are, whether the fact that you're like, oh, well, McKinnon shouldn't have his stick so high because the butt of his stick was like right on the bridge of his nose. Uh, I know <laughs> I know about freaking, you know, taking nasty hits to the nose. Like, you know, it's a very sensitive area. You know, just barely knocking, it starts raining. But, um, yeah, um, regardless of what side of the aisle you are on. Um, yeah, the look of Nathan McKinnon's nose was absolutely just, just disgusting. Like, it was rain and blood. You know, I'm sure he probably broke it. Um, but, we, yeah, he has a facial fracture, so something broke. If not his nose, definitely uh, maybe a septum or something. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he gets a good recovery, can breathe good through his nose. And uh, his and as of right now, his status for the All Star Game is to be determined. Although we'll see how that goes. Um, although I'm just saying, since they're since they got Kadri in there and they want to open up a uh, Central Division spot, there's a guy by the name of Robert Thomas. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but come on, you'd be fooling yourself not to have Robert Thomas, Robbie T. In the All-Star, I'm just saying. Be good. Be good. Yeah. In other news, uh, speaking of All-Stars, or at the very least, I don't know if he's an All-Star for this year. I'm pretty sure he's not an All-Star for this year, but he, he has been an All-Star. Um, notable name, Claude Giroux. Um, as the Philadelphia Flyers currently sit, also, spoiler alert, haven't been doing so hot. Including a uh, ten plus game win, a, lo- a losing streak, right? Currently sit last in the standings in the Metro Divi- Metro Division, um, which kind of breaks the whole um, pattern for the longest while for the Philadelphia Flyers, at least as it stands right now, of make the playoffs, miss playoffs make it miss it make it miss it make it miss it and as and if i remember correctly 
they missed it last year. If I remember correctly, uh, 2021 NHL playoffs. Uh, round one. Let's see. Who was in round one? Hmm. Yeah. They missed it last year. So if the pattern or at least the trend continues for them, they will miss it for the first time in a long time in consecutive years. So they uh, may be looking to do a rebuild or retool um, as general manager Chuck Fletcher for the Philadelphia Flyers have stated that the decision on whether Claude Giroux it's traded at the deadline, which is not too far away. Uh, although I think it's in March this year instead of February because of the slide of the um, season. Is now in the hands of Claude Giroux. So whether or not he wants to stick around or not is up to him. Now, um, with that said, which tells me that Claude Giroux is a free agent. I don't know why I'm looking up Claude Giroux. I need to look up Cap Friendly because Cap Friendly is a friendly source of these type of things. Looking up uh, numbers like this. So yeah, as a matter of fact, Claude Giroux, guy with no movement clause. With one year left of this deal, which ends this after this season with a, oh, with a uh, cap hit of 8.275, kind of a nasty looking hit. Now, the for, you know, the one season, I'm sure that the, uh, depending on the assets you get back, I'm sure that the Philadelphia Flyers, if I can get my goddamn tongue out, you know, you know, untied uh with a cap hit of only four cap space of only four thousand dollars um i'm sure that they'd be fine with uh taking 50 percent of that cap just to move them to get some uh assets back some picks maybe a couple uh prospects there um yeah I mean, also looking at their books, I'm, yeah, they're going to be uh, hurting, potentially making some hard decisions, which also, side note, it didn't occur to me, but uh, just to kind of get off track, but also on track, because, you know, talking about the Flyers, Sean Couturier on LTIR, I didn't even know that, which makes sense, because Sean Couturier is the best uh, best player on their team best all-around player on their team uh and his new deal don't go into into uh don't go into effect until next year so uh yeah they've got some decisions to make and they've got a lot of uh cap to shed to make that work so um yeah 
There you go. Um, now, where Claude Drew may go, I don't know. But I'll tell you one place he ain't going to go, regardless of cap or not, is the Edmonton Oilers. Because the Edmonton Oilers decided to sign a dumpster fire of, an, of a uh, player by the name of Vander Kane to a one-year $1.375 million contract with a cap hit of $2.108. Now, how does that work? When it's a one-year deal, $1.375, I'll tell you. And it's probably because he's got some... Uh, Maybe he has some bonuses, which uh, actually now looking on cap friendly because I'm keen to believe cap friendly when it comes to this stuff here. Um, that the numbers don't add up because according to where I got the source for the Edmonton Oilers signing Evander Kane for that deal is complete hockey news on Facebook which not to say that they're 100% you know concrete reputable source but 99.9% of the time anything that re I read on there is the real deal so I'm keen to believe them but at the same time I'm also keen to believe the cat uh, cat friendly team because they seem to have their stats down like every like like there's stats that you wouldn't really think that a website that kind of tracks things you know like you you wouldn't think that they would track everything like they'll track not just the when they're in the nhl they'll track them when in the ahl they'll track them whenever they were in leagues before they even got to the nhl it's freaking wild like they they'll like they'll do some uh evasive research um, and they are saying that he has no, okay. So, okay. So he has a signing bonus. So that might be where I'm, where I'm missing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So now that none of the numbers add up. All right. So his cap hit is 2.1 million. His cap is 2.1 million His AAV is one, 2.1 million. He doesn't have any performance bonuses. He has a $625,000 uh worth of a salary paid signing bonus his base salary seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars total salary 1.375 so that's where that 1.375 is coming from and if you were to ever get sent to the minors even though there's no movement clause 1.375 million dollars would be making down there a rich bitch down there now will this help the edmonton oilers who's to say now, I would go on a limb and say it's not necessarily scoring, 100% scoring the issue with the Edmonton Oilers, although scoring is a little bit of an issue for the Edmonton Oilers. But I would go on a limb and say it's probably more defense than anything, especially um, with the whole thought process of, hey, if you're not scoring goals, the least you could do is keep goals out of your own Kind of like the Blues, where, hey, I mean, even though the Blues are actually you know, up in the standings, not on the wood, but that the Blues, which I'm sure during the uh, offseason, they'll be talking about the Blues trying to acquire uh, Matthew Kachuk, blah, 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 but they need a defenseman for this 
for right now. They need a defenseman to satisfy, you know, buttoning up the the hatches, so to speak, to make a push for the cup. And I would say the Edmonton Oilers probably should have done the same thing. But hey, if if that's what um if that's what Ken Holland wants to do for the Edmonton Oilers, then by all means, let's see if it works. And let's see if Ed Vanderking can get out of his own way and actually be great. Because he can be great when he's out of his own way. He can be great. I'm not taking anything away from Vanderking. He can prove that he, he's a really good guy. He's a really good player. But oh, actually, really good guy, that's debatable. Really good player, you know, when he's out of his own way, out of his own head. It's great. But we'll see. I mean, that cap head ain't too bad, and which then leaves Edmonton Oilers with no cap space at all. Um, as they currently have only Tyson Berry on injured reserve. They have Oscar Clefbaum in LTIR. They have Mike Smith in LTIR. And then they have Josh Archibald in LTIR. And then moving Kyle Turris to the taxi squad. And then this other guy that's an, on an ELC deal on the taxi squad. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona Coyotes. The woes of the Arizona Coyotes since 1995 have been an interesting thing. The fact that the woes of them has happened, has been happening. I mean, even going back to when they were the original Winnipeg Jets is longer than I have been alive. Because I was born the year that they moved to Arizona in 1995. Which is a wild time. 1995 seemed to be a wild time when the, when the Winnipeg Jets moved to, the Arizona, uh, to Arizona to become the Arizona Coyotes. When the Quebec Nordiques moved to Colorado to become the Colorado Avalanche. When the Blues happened to get in a trade, Wayne Gretzky, when they were wearing those beautiful trumpet jerseys that have been very um polarizing uh with the fan base to say the least what an honestly interesting time that was in the year of 1995 it was a really wild year to say the least um but fast forwarding to 2022 arizona coyotes continuously continuously hemorrhaging money leeching off of the system known as cap, uh, friggin', uh, revenue sharing to stay alive, um, staying afloat because they can't make their own money because the fan base ain't there. And honestly, I wouldn't blame them. I wouldn't blame them on, on a lot of fronts. Same with like other teams, like in other leagues, like the Tampa Bay Rays, for example. Prime example. All, it ties all together, so stick with me here. Even though I know you're probably not even sticking with me, but hey, I'm, I'm begging you, stick with me here. Arizona is known to have a lot of transplants. They already have their own teams that they follow, right? Same with Tampa Bay. They have, and in the state of Florida as a whole, got a whole bunch of transplants. Now, I can't say anything for Tampa because Tampa actually can, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning actually have fans. They actually fill the building. Actually, you know, it works for them. 
works great for them. Even when they're not in the cup, works fine for them. They are always in a pretty good, you know, spot in the uh, attendance thing. Freaking Florida Panthers, on the other hand, not really. Not really. Um, kind of hard to fill in their stadium, too, but at least they're not nearly as bad as the Arizona Coyotes are right now. Um, and hell, I mean, yeah, out of the centers, in a, in a country where their whole, you know, way of life revolves around hockey, Tim Bits, Tim Hortons, the whole thing, all hockey up there, all the time. Can't sell out a building, regardless of the fact of, you know, other things like the building is hard to get to, a la Tampa Bay Rays. The fact that their ownership's shit. The fact that their team is shit. So on and so forth. A lot of other parameters. It's a problem for the uh, auto centers. Now, for the Arizona Coyotes, it's been that way the entire time. Other than, like, the one time that they actually had some, uh, some semblance of success when they went to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in their franchise history. The one and only time in franchise history have they ever been in a conference final or anywhere remotely close to it. Back in 2012, when they faced off the LA Kings. When the uh, LA Kings went on to win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history, I guess the uh, New Jersey Devils. Um, that one and only time. They have not, in their entire franchise history, have any sort of semblance of su sustained success. Which can hurt trying to garner a fan base to give a shit and give the money up to watch you not have, you know, sustained sustain success. Um, and when you have transplants, they already have teams that they already follow. They're keen to only show up when their team's in that, you know, arena. And yeah, and that's why there'll be a lot of times when the Blues come through. Whole bunch of blues fans when the Macho Canadians are in town, even though you know as far from Canada as possible, still majority of the people that are in there are Montreal Canadiens fans. And you can give like you can go through all the other freaking teams in the league, go through all of them. Same problem. But because Gary Bettman is the one that greenlit the move to Arizona to try to expand hockey in the Sun Belt, right? And to try to capitalize, which at the time was Phoenix, but now they moved out of Phoenix and now they're in Glendale. And now they're trying to move to Tempe, trying to garner that, you know, support from the Phoenix um, TV market, which is high up there, one of the bigger ones in the uh, United States that they want to have a cut of that TV market. And Gary Bettman, being very stubborn as he is, he don't want to admit defeat. So what is their solution to this problem, you may ask? Well, Tempe thing, for, for, first off, but apparently there hasn't been an official vote on that yet but rumor has it that it's going to fail but Arizona Coyotes and Gary Bettman they ain't about to let that stop them from staying in Arizona because according to TSN the Arizona Coyotes are in discussion 
with uh, Arizona State University uh, on playing at their new multi-purpose arena for their ASU Sun Devils hockey team, along with other events that they can have there because it's not just for hockey, it's for other events, just like every other NHL arena. It's a multi-purpose complex, not just a hockey rink that stays there 24-7, 365 for the next three to four years. Pending in the, oh, I, I'm saying it's pending an agreement for a new arena in Tempe, but that hasn't been specified. So I'm saying that at least I would suggest it's pending an agreement for a new arena in Tempe because it would make more sense to try to make that deal with ASU if there's a green light for Tempe. Because if you don't have a green light for Tempe, you're fucked because you have no other option other than Tempe at this moment because Phoenix don't want you. Glendale kicked your ass out. So where do you got to go? You ain't going to go Tucson. Tucson's far away from Phoenix. It's on the other, like, yeah, on the like, damn near the border of freaking Mexico and Arizona. So what are you going to do? Also considering the fact that they're in the Central Division, even though they're closer to Pacific Division teams than the Central Division, but that's not the here nor there because that doesn't make any sense. But hey, we, in this world, we can't have any sense at all. But... Here's here's some things that I'd like to go over here. First off, that new ASU rink arena, that new ASU rink that rumor has that Arizona counties are trying to play at until they get a building in Tempe barring a green light. In a hockey configuration, it is rumored to be anywhere between 3,500 to 5,000 seats. That alone is a big red flag. In a sense, for three to four years, you mean to tell me that the team that can't, you know, post a profit in its franchise his- in its entire franchise history, having to leech off of the entire league and now 31 other franchises to do revenue sharing to keep them afloat and actually, you know, in existence, so you don't have to fold them like the um, Golden Seals and the Cleveland Barons were. Well, Golden Seals turned out to be the Cleveland Barons, which then merged and dissolved into the North Stars and so on and so forth. Blah, 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 blah. Long history lesson that I probably won't ever go around because I'm not a historian, but maybe I, maybe I should try to. But uh, I understand the here nor there. 5,000 seats, that's kind of small. In comparison, all right, take into consideration the family arena here in st louis not a it's a multi-purpose arena it can house hockey it has it houses a whole bunch of events right including graduations both my sisters graduated had their graduation ceremonies there freaking whole bunch of concerts roll through here including very minor league teams including a roller hockey team i think they've had ice hockey come through here every once in a while it can happen in a hockey configuration that building can hold 9,643 people. So f- almost five, nearly 5,000 people more than the ASU ring. The Cal Farley Coliseum in Amarillo, Texas, who currently ho- is the home for the national American hockey league, no North American hockey league, uh, team known as the Amarillo Bulls, which I have been to a game there. Kind of small. 
Although I will say some good sight lines. Some good sight lines. Um, and cheap beer, too. Cheap beer as well. Uh, s- nearly an equivalent seating uh, capacity of 4,987 people can fit in that building. Um, and that's for like a team, and that's for like a league for pe- for uh, players that aren't in the um, junior system in Canada or in college, but they're trying to get a scholarship. That's what that's for. Or a talking about a place that's already had a NHL team play there before, the Florida State Fairgrounds Expo Hall, uh, which was the first home of the Tampa Bay Lightning while they were waiting for the Emily Arena to be uh, built. With a capacity of 10,425 people. So, yeah. Surely there's better places that they could be putting the Arizona Coyotes in the event of a Tempe arena deal. Which is telling me that with little to no news on this Tempe deal, that unless Gary Bettman is that stubborn to legitimately be willing to bring all 31 teams down in revenue to keep his decision back in the late er, mid to late 90s alive you got to just cut your losses man just cut your damn losses take the l Move them. Just move them. Like you, Kansas City, right there. T-Mobile, the T-Mobile Center, right there. You try, like they could have had the Pittsburgh Penguins there twice. The Pittsburgh Penguins could have been in Kansas City twice. First time was a legitimate thing. The second time was a negotiation ploy, but that's neither here nor there. They could do it. They could support him. If you don't want to go to Quebec because you go to the freaking Quebec prime minister and say, nah, you ain't, we ain't coming here. And Houston's kind of an anomaly at this point. Kansas City right there. It's right there. It makes the most sense in the sense that you don't have to give up potential expansion dollars going to Houston. You don't have to worry about the Canadian dollar in Quebec. You move them into the Kansas City. You already have the rivalries right there. It's an ease of travel thing for them because they're smack dab in the middle between Colorado and St. Louis, along with the fact that they're in the Central Division already because of the Seattle coming into the league. The Arizona Coyotes are already in the Central Division, so why not make it easy on everyone involved? Along with the fact that you actually may post profits for first-time franchise history and move them to Kansas City. Honestly, what's stopping you besides the fact of your own dad, damn pride, Gary Bettman, just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. Move them to Kansas City. Come on. Don't be a coward. Just pull the trigger. Just pull the trigger right now. If it has to be a Winnipeg Jets level thing when the end the Atlanta Thrashers had no home and it was like an overnight thing where it's like, all right, 
fuck it. We're going back to Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Jets are back and we're going to draft our people where we don't even have a, a jersey ready for them. So this is going to be a generic NHL jersey. If that's what's going to have to happen, then by God, let it happen. But I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure there's coyotes in Arizona, so you probably could keep the, the name there. But although I'm saying, as a historian, or at least I'm not a historian, but as a fan of history, NHL history, bring back the scouts. Bring back the scouts. Just saying. Bring back the scouts. Come on. But yeah, Arizona, the, the, uh, the pain must continue. But as the uh, season winds down, we may finally see some semblance of concrete news other than like, oh, rumor has it this and that. But the way it's looking, not good. Not good. No, not good at all. But hey, uh, we'll go into the break, and when we come back, we'll go over uh, the standings roundup and end this thing. All right, so um, going into standings roundup, um, surprise, surprise, uh, the division that has no uh, Canadian teams had the most movement. Um so speed through the Atlantic division because there's no changes uh, for the third week in a row. I think I'm pretty sure it's the third week in a row has not been any movement. Montreal still eighth place for, with a record of eight, 27 and seven Ottawa still seventh place with a record of 13, 20 and four Buffalo still sixth place with a record of 13, 22 and seven Detroit still fifth place with a record of 18, 19 and six. Boston Bruins is still fourth place, still the second wild card holder in Eastern Conference with a record of 24, 13, and three. Toronto still third place with a record of 26, 10, and three. Which, with that record, Boston's knocking on the door there. So watch out, Toronto. Uh, your boogeyman's coming for you early. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, still second place with a record of 29, 10, and five. And still first place with a record of 39 and 39 and five. Uh, it's the Florida Panthers. So uh, there you go. Metropolitan Division. Philadelphia Flyers. As I already went over in the first half of this uh, episode. Still eighth place with a record of 13, 22, and 8. Uh, New Jersey falls one spot from sixth to seventh place with a record of 15, 22, and 5. And slowly moving on up in standings, as I already predicted. The New York Islanders slowly climbing up them standings, baby, with a record of 15, 15, and 6. Uh, jumping up one spot from 7 to 6. Uh, fifth place with a record of 19, 21, and 1. Uh, staying at fifth place for another week in a row is the Columbus Blue Jackets. So there you go. Uh, fourth place, still fourth place. The Washington Capitals still also hold the first Eastern Conference wildcard spot with a record of 23, 12, and 9. Um, third place, New York Rangers, which I also didn't mention in the first half, uh, tonight as a recording on Friday, January 28th, uh, Henrik Lundqvist number 30 is going to be, uh, retired tonight. So, uh, congratulations to, uh, the King from having his number 30 raised to the rafters of Madison square garden. Um, so congrats to him. As his New York Rangers 
are third place after falling down from first place from last week with a record of 28, 12, and four. The Pittsburgh Penguins slowly moving back on up. Uh, second place, first time this season. Second place with a record of 27, 10, and six. Up one spot from third to second and reclaiming their first place spot. Uh, moving up from second to first is the Carolina Hurricanes on the record of 29, 9, and 2. Uh, Central Division, no movement at all. Arizona still Arizona. Eighth place with a, with a record of 10, 27, and 4. Chicago Blackhawks still be the Blackhawks with a record of 16, 20, and 7. Seventh place for another week. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets still sixth place, sixth place with a record of 17, 16, and 7. The Dallas Stars still fifth place with a record of 22, 16, and 2. The Minnesota Wild still fourth place and still hold the first wild card in the Western Conference with a record of 25, 10, and 3. The St. Louis Blues still third place with a record of 26, 12, and 5. The Nashville Predators still second place with a record of 27, 14, and 4. And the Colorado Avalanche still hold the first place spot with a record of 38 and 3. And the Colorado Avalanche are the only team in the Western Conference that has less than 10 regulation losses. That's wild. And the Pacific Division, still eighth place. Is the Seattle Kraken with a record of 14, 25, and 4. The Vancouver Canucks still seventh place with a record of 19, 19, and 5. The Edmonton Oilers still sixth place with a record of 21, 16, and 2. Hope Evander Kane helps them. If they do, cool. If he doesn't, well, burns them up. Uh, fifth place, San Jose drops one spot from fourth to fifth with a record of 22, 19, and two. Number four in the Pacific Division uh, goes to Calgary, and they hold the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference with a record of 20, 13, and six, jumping up one spot from fifth to fourth. LA still holds that third place spot with, with a record of 22, 16, and six. Anaheim Ducks still hold the second place spot with a record of 22, 16, and 8, only holding on to that because they have two overtime losses more than LA. And the Vegas Golden Knights still hold on to that first walk, uh, that first place spot in the Pacific Division with a record of 25, 16, and 3. Now that is your standings roundup. And that is the end of the show. And um, next episode. Let's take a gander at the old schedule, shall we? Um, the next episode of the Blade Hockey Podcast will be on February 5th. Um, sometime on February 5th. I don't know when I'm going to put it out, but it will be out on February 5th. Um, I would imagine it will probably be on the back half of the day. So, Because I'm recording this at night on a Friday because I work the next day so cannot record there um so probably be around probably around the same time so this is going to end up being put out like it probably be available like eight o'clock at least the video version will be probably up at like eight o'clock central time 8 p.m central time so probably the same thing but on its actual day of release that it normally is on a saturday so we'll see how that shakes out but until then that's been that 
and that's been this. Um, don't forget, this is the last um, ep- any sort of semblance of media that I'm going to be putting out until next week when I do the game of the night. Uh, not game of the night. I'll be doing a uh, another Blee Hockey podcast, and we may even wait until after the All Star game because the All Star game is also on the fifth. So I might wait until then and just give some like highlights of, you know, brief recap on that to tie into this. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of a fluid thing. We'll, we'll, we'll check it out as it goes. But until then, I'll catch it all, all in the next one. Thank you very much.